A lot of information is out there concerning COVID-19 and the virus that causes it, coronavirus. But there are also so many misconceptions about this pandemic. My name is Adi Fred Max. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. And you can connect with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Adi underscore Max. That is A-D-I-I underscore M-A-X. And to help us dive into the details is none other than Dr. Andrew Sejtoriko. Dr. Andrew Sejtoriko is the executive director of Ruaga Hospital in Kampala. Doctor, you're most welcome to the New Vision podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Andrew Sejtoriko. I'm a family physician that is a doctor of all cases and I work with Ruaga Hospital. I also work as the executive director of the hospital. Now, doctor, in a layman's language, Tell us, what really is coronavirus? In a layman's language, coronavirus is a germ, a very tiny germ. There are five types of germs and viruses are the smallest types of germs. So it's a tiny germ that attacks mostly the respiratory system or attacks our lungs and causes symptoms that resemble those of a common cold. But also what we can say is it has a shape of a ball with spikes and that gives it the name Corona. It looks like a crown. Corona in Latin is a crown. And um, where did coronavirus come from? Um, all evidence is pointing to the Hubei province uh, in a town called Wuhan where there is uh, a market for seafood and also wild animals. And the first cases were seen as having arisen from this area. We also believe that coronavirus came from animal meat into humans because other coronaviruses have only come from animals and crossed into human beings. We call these kind of diseases zoonoses. Doctor, you can also tell our listeners, how does the virus spread? Well, the means have been determined. Other than spreading from the animal meat to humans, we've also seen a very efficient form of spread between humans. And it spreads in what we call aerosol form. That means when someone sneezes, they release particles, droplets containing the virus, which float in the air for a period of about three minutes. Um, in the air and when another person breathes in the air that contains the particles that have the virus they take in the virus in their bodies and then it attacks the cells within the bodies that's one mode of transmission the second one is contacting surfaces so many times when we sneeze or blow our nose we contact uh, mucus from our nose and it has viruses that come into our hands and then the hands deposit the virus onto surfaces that we touch, normally our phones, the doorknobs, the switches, the handrails, or our desks, laptops, and things like that. Now, if someone else comes and touches the same surface, they are likely to pick up the virus um, and then they have to touch a part of their face, either the eyes, the nose, or the mouth, and this takes, uh, gives the virus an opportunity to enter the body. So who is more at risk, and why is that so? Who is more at risk, and why? 
well everybody is at risk but more so let me start with people who are in uh, crowded places are likely because viruses spread easily in such uh, environments uh, anybody that is most times also in the healthcare profession those are also at risk anybody that gets in contact with anyone that has the virus will be at risk so family members of people who have uh, the virus workmates of people that have the virus so everybody is at risk um, of the virus depending on who else around you has the virus according to reports we have also seen a number of changes concerning the symptoms so my question is how does the virus present itself or what are some of the common symptoms so the disease due to coronavirus 2019 or covid-19 uh presents mostly with a fever we've seen people so uh showing up with other symptoms as i described earlier including those of a runny nose a sore throat a cough we've also seen red eyes uh in the case for example we saw in Uganda and also cases seen elsewhere especially in the US have shown red eyes uh the other symptom that people see is body weakness you know someone feels like they're really tired and body aches and then in s- some scenarios a uh, smaller group there will be difficulty in breathing that often signifies that the patient has developed pneumonia there are so rare symptoms like you know loose stomach um arising from the virus so the virus has quite a range of symptoms that mimic very many common diseases and it makes it very hard for us to figure out which patient has the virus and which patient has another disease so someone would also want to find out how is covid-19 different from the normal flu because it seems some of the symptoms are are just the same well both are caused by viruses so that's a similarity and number 2 the symptoms are very hard to distinguish uh so if i were just a patient and looking from the outside it's very hard to distinguish the two just by looking but typically common flus now don't cause fevers in our bodies while covid-19 seems now to be causing more fevers and that normally means that the immune system did not know this virus before so the differences may appear in the attack that if both attacked a similar type of person the presentation will be lighter for the ordinary or common cold while those of a corona may be a lot more pronounced and that's because there is no immunity within the community we call it herd immunity there's no immunity demonstrated within the people in the population so it it may be very difficult to distinguish the two diseases on face value actually many times we may need a test doctor currently uganda has already registered some cases how prepared are we and how prepared is rubaga hospital uh first i would say that preparation happens at several levels there is the health sector that means is the health system ready uh hospitals uh, health education the public health system then there is the economic you know part you know because many measures that are or interventions that are m- proposed to control the spread of the virus will actually interfere with economic activity 
also with social uh, preparedness, we have to think about now not having to visit your parents. You cannot just uh, move to anything like any place that you thought you did before, let's say your club um, in the evening to have your drink, or you just now can't go to any hotel or restaurant and expect to be served. So there is a social disruption as well. Um, what I know is that if the outbreak is prolonged for a period of time, no system can prepare for that. So the health sector may be stretched a little more. In other words, the bed capacity, the health worker capacity, the equipment capacity, the medical supplies capacity is likely to run out. You know, if this stretches, let's say, beyond a, a month, that's likely to cause quite um, a crisis in the health sector. So how prepared is Lubaga Hospital for COVID-19? Well, I can say that we are doing our best within our means. And what we've done is to implement different preventive measures to protect anybody that comes into the hospital without any symptoms or the disease from getting the disease. Then we also have put measures to protect health workers because if the health workers are hit, that will be the heel of Achilles for the hospital. So um, thirdly, we've also prepared just in case we get suspected patients We've put a unit that is going to be dedicated to um, housing any suspected cases because there's normally a holding time uh, before the ministry team comes in to run the tests. And then if the, after the running the tests, they will take about another few, maybe a few hours to get the results and the whole transfer process. So many times we have to brace ourselves to hold patients for up to 72 hours before they are transferred to the isolation center for the country. So that has also been there. So at the gates, we are washing hands for everybody. And then we're screening temperature for people who then walk into the hospital. We call that uh, triage. And if someone has a temperature, then we are sending you to this dedicated uh, team that assesses whether you have a risk. Right now, the biggest risk is actually contact with people that have traveled from Dubai or I would say the Middle East area. Um, we're also encouraging social distancing for patient to patient. So the waiting areas, we're, not en we're encouraging. We're not allowing people to sit close to each other. Um, regarding doctor and patient or health worker and patient, we're also encouraging social distancing where um, applicable, but also personal protective equipment for those who are working directly with patients. And the personal protective equipment includes masks for the mouth and nose, and then um, aprons and also a gloving. Um, then Regarding the patients, if we suspect somebody, we do cover them with a mask and then transfer them to this unit and then we'll notify the Ministry of Health officials appropriately. Thank you, Doctor. Having looked at how prepared we are, what are your greatest concerns or fear regarding the coronavirus in Uganda? Um, I think the first is uh, a failure 
to flatten the curve. In other words, we fail to control the outbreak before it does attack many people. So normally an outbreak will come into the country through the imported cases or the first cases, which we call the index case. And then we'll start to infect a number of people and then a number of people infect another number of people and then all of a sudden there's an explosion of cases. This is my worst fear, that if there's an explosion of cases, the entire health system is going to be stretched. There's going to be panic in the country. There's going to be a number of irrational decisions and judgment. And that, for me, is a major issue of concern. Of course, the knock-on effect for that is the economy. The knock-on effect of that is the disruption of society. So I would say that I'm not too afraid of the disease per se. You know, it doesn't seem to have uh, major symptoms that we're worried about, but I'm more concerned about many people getting the disease at the same time because then that overwhelms the health system. Thank you, Doctor. Also talk about some of the risks, such as public transportation, you know, money exchanging hands, gatherings, some of which have already been restricted at the moment. So the use of public means and being a risk for transmission is suddenly high. And I would say for Uganda and for most African countries, this is one of the four major identified avenues for spreading the virus. Uh, Transport, which is public transport that is crowded most of the time. The second risk has to do with the market. So a number of African or Ugandan people crowd and go to markets for business and also to buy goods. The third risk is cash, that we use a lot of uh, cash in our transactions. So the cash or money does transmit the virus because it's a surface on which the virus can stick. And fourth is, of course, uh, gatherings, which somehow these have been managed or controlled to a great extent that you know church gatherings funerals and others alike there are a lot of myths surrounding the coronavirus and covid19 kindly help us debug some of these myths for our listeners so the myths that have come out regarding corona include the biggest one was regarding alcohol that a number of people heard that alcohol does kill the virus but the reference was to hand sanitizer or alcohol-based hand sanitizer that is usually 70% concentration or above um, that kills the virus. So the common alcoholic drinks that we take normally have concentrations less than 20% or down there, and that does not kill the virus by itself. So drinking of alcohol is a myth uh, for people to think that that's how an effective way to control the virus. Um, a number of people have also been talking about um, a local herb called Omoruluza, which treats malaria because it looks or it was used around the same time we used chloroquine in our treatment for malaria for a number of days. But the properties of chloroquine that have been described as being helpful in treatment of patients with coronavirus pneumonia are different from those of omoruluza. 
uh, Omuluru is an anti-malaria, chloroquine is an anti-malaria, but chloroquine has also anti-inflammatory properties and it's used in other diseases uh, that are uh, inflammatory diseases, commonly arthritis. So that's another myth that people are using, uh, promoting, um, as it does uh, affect the way people think about the disease. The other is for people to think that African countries or Africans are immune to the disease so that they don't expect a widespread uh, spread of the virus amongst Africans. And that's a myth by itself because we do not know the behavior of this virus amongst a number of people. Uh, some people have thought that the weather has something to do with it. Well, we still do not know and we would not take it for granted that the disease does not spread in warm weather. Doctor, thank you so much for sparing time talking to us during your busy schedule. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been speaking to Dr. Andrew Sechitoriko. Dr. Andrew Sechitoriko is the Executive Director Rubaga Hospital in Kampala. My name is Adi Fred Max and you can connect with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Adi underscore Max. That is A-D-I-I underscore M-A-X. Please wash your hands, maintain social distance, and stay safe. God bless you. You've been listening to the New Vision Podcast. New Vision, New Vision, covering the whole-